We got longevity today, huh? Yeah. Longevity, a good one. Yeah, I think that's maybe the biggest one, honestly, because we talk about consistency being the biggest lever for progress, right? But consistency over time is is longevity, right? That's like, how can yeah. we make this an iterable game for our lifetime? Yeah. Which and I think should be a goal for everybody. Yeah. And if if uh, your training isn't going to uh, provide for being having longevity with it, then that's going to be problematic too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, right out the right out the gate, let's get the things out of the way that aren't. Um, I think it's easier to identify what's not gonna get your longevity of training, uh, and kind of get those out of the way. So things like training specifically for events, like peaking for events. So let's say competition stuff. Um, that's n n not a strategy for longevity, typically. Yeah. Um, training for a super specified uh, physical endeavor. So that's kind of along the same lines, right, of an event or a competition. Yeah, but if, you, if you're only trying to get, like, uber strong, that's probably not a great right. longevity right. goal. And it's there is longevity in that, allowing that you cycle in and out of what you're trying to train for, yeah. right? You just can't continuously train for the event. Right. Yeah, like they did a that study on the skiers from Finland, the cross-country skiers, and they found that their kind of the Andy Galp that was that with the Andy Galpin you know? yeah yeah the, their heart health was like their cardiovascular health was way above everybody else that was um, in similar age so they they were cross country skiing from you know their teens to sixty five and their cardiovascular health was so much healthier than like anybody else um, but then they measured their bone density and muscle mass, and that was the same as someone that was sedentary. Right. And so they were very specialized. And so they got the benefit of their one area, but they didn't get the longevity in like the, the bone density. And right. Right. So bone Which density is, more is, it, is massively important as we right. dip into older age. I mean, weightlifting is essentially the fountain of youth. Right. Or resistance training, I should say. Yeah. yeah. So we got like training for events or competitions, um, specialize or hyper specializing in one area of fitness. I think a third, maybe even like an umbrella statement, would be chasing peak performance. Because peak performance, as Levi stated, that's got to be a cyclical thing. Um, but if that's your, if you're like, I'm just looking to be 100%, 100% of the time, that's not necessarily a recipe for long term success. I think, in my in my opinion, as especially a, as, as it's more specialized. Like even when we're talking about CrossFit competitions, those are got to a point where they're specialized. Mm. It's peak performance for performing at CrossFit is different from being peak performance for being able to just do whatever you need to do in life. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, so having that goal, uh, I think for most people and and um, most athletes in general, a goal of being injury free and being able to do the physical stuff that they like to do till. Till the cows come home, really. Right. Now, now, just to knock it out of the way, so hopefully we can spend more time on things other than what we've already covered over and over again, is longevity is going to have to include sleeping well yeah, and eating buddy. well. Because um, you can't have longevity without those things. There's no way that you can continue to press the pedal 
um, without being able to sleep well and eat well. You're, it's, a, it's a lost cause, absolutely lost cause. So if you are uh, one of those individuals that continuously allow themselves poor sleep and just think that they'll sleep when they're dead, then it's going to come back to haunt you sooner or later. Mm. And it probably already has. Yeah. And not to mention the, the uh, not just the performance hindrances, but the health hindrances, yeah. which are really the base of all that. Like if your baseline health and uh, like blood markers are out of whack, then you're not going to be able to perform in any capacity. And the number one, the number one cause of injury is poor sleep. Number one cause by, by a long shot is poor sleep. If you're sleeping poorly, it's a good chance you're going to, you are going to pay the piper. Mm. And I, I heard that like a year ago. And so I've been asking people whenever they come in, like, oh, I have the, you know, tweaky shoulder or whatever tweak here or there. And I ask them like, how much do you sleep? That's the first question I always ask. And like, it's surprising. It's always, uh, not very much five hours, yeah. six hours maybe. But that's also the first question I ask is like, let's I, I had a client today that was coming in and said like, she was supposed to be at a certain percentage. And she said it was just way harder than she anticipated. I go right to the meat and potatoes. I say, well, how did you been sleeping poorly? And then she reflects back on it and said, actually, yeah, the last two days, I had terrible sleep. Mm -hmm. So you won't be able to reach your peak performance without good sleep. Right. And then, I mean, if, as sleep is very important. Nutrition is also pretty important. Mm -hmm. So those, those two things right away um, are going to limit your longevity if you're not, uh, not paying attention to those. Yeah, and nutrition is kind of big in two ways where it's like the your macronutrients and calories making sure you get enough but then there's also like the whole chemical like processes and yeah and, and what are yeah. you putting in your body and some stuff doesn't the origin source of it right yeah. right so that's kind of like a two-part yeah and it's compounding like over you might not realize you have some like mild intolerances or some food that you're eating that's giving you issues that it's like mild but over 10 years 20 years 30 yeah. years those things are going to make a huge difference in yeah. your gi but, and that's kind of that. like why so we're getting off on a tangent here but why select selection diets work so well people mm -hmm. think like well if i go whatever vegan or if i go carnivore then all of a sudden they're like these they they tout off these amazing health benefits but really what's going on from the lion's share of those cases is that they're they're eliminating things that were really uh, uh, toxic mm -hmm. to them, and now that they eliminated those, their body starts to do a little better, at least temporarily. But then, if they introduce some, well, if they're lacking in micronutrients, then after that, then they'll still go through some health um, deterioration. Yeah, and yeah, that elimination diet. If, even if you're not going to do that long term is a cool thing to do as an experiment yeah. for anybody right. and just see how things affect like when you add milk back to your diet yeah. what does it feel like uh, and as far as what I, I myself I don't pay attention to uh, and this kind of as a, as a process to have I don't pay attention to my macros I just eat a lot of meat that's it and my struggle is not to have my body fat low my struggle is the opposite I love meat so much that I struggle to get it high enough um, and a lot of people, it's the opposite, but I simply tell them, I do, uh, when I have a client, I do pay attention to their macros. I'm like, let's, let's base off your basal metabolic rate and your total daily energy expenditure, and then your non-thermogenesis of eating. Let's see what you should be, what would be optimal for your macros, or what would be closer to optimal. And then I'll tell them for at least for a while, let's pay attention to your macros a little more precisely. But then once you get to a groove of it, because the lion's share of times, most people they think they're eating healthy 99% of the time, not even exaggerating. They think they're eating healthy, but when we, when we actually look at what their ma macros are, when they track it, it's way off. Mm. 
way, way off. Especially the protein intake. Yeah, right? especially the protein intake. Or they think they're like, I've had people say, well, I eat a lot of nuts for snacks. Well, excessive amount of nuts. Nuts by themselves are good. But when you're eating nuts all the time, it's an insanely high dose of fat. Yeah, which is in, in uh, translates to over-consuming calories most of the time. Yeah, because for sure. And they're like, I don't know how I get my nuts. body fat down. Well, stop eating all the nuts. <laughs> Two avocados, right. yeah. six handfuls of almonds. Yeah, exactly. And... Right. Yeah, but um, so those two pillars, obviously, for longevity in terms of like keeping our bodies actively uh, engaged in the world and able to exercise, able to do the things we want. We need to sleep. We need to eat properly. Another one for me that might go slipping through the, cl- the cracks for a lot of people as they get deeper into their life because of time constraints or priorities or whatever is a daily mobility practice. Because if you can't maintain proper range of motion and function of your joints, yeah, then all 100%. the exercise in the world isn't going to yeah. help you. And, and what's the use of having it if you can't sure. use it? And know? a mobility practice essentially translates to you're becoming the mechanic of your own body. Yeah. So you should know how, if you know how to fix a car, you should definitely know how to fix your body. And it takes some time to learn how to act properly do that. Mm. And, and hopefully we don't have to fix it, right? Hopefully we can just upkeep it. But yeah. it's it's kind of in, inevitable. We're gonna have tweaks, right? Yeah. Just like there's gonna come some screw loose on a car. We're mm-hmm. gonna have little tweaks, but they don't have to be big deals if we know how to address it. Yeah. Fact, Oil change. The, the the exact same issue where I've addressed it with soft tissue work, mobility, and it's gone away in a day. Whereas I just kind of rested, trying to hope it would recover by itself, and it's lasted me months. Yeah. Right. But if you know what to do when something does happen, they're usually very very minor events. Right. But and having sit, a proactive yeah. mindset with mobility, like, hey, your back might not hurt right now, but you know in the past you've had a little bit of lumbar tightness. Yeah. So why don't you do a daily lumbar mobilization so that you don't have to deal with it and yeah. it's just good to go. And, you know, get your daily cat cows and your child's pose and sitting in a squat pattern, like all the basic stuff hang from a bar. Yeah. There's things that, like me personally, I make sure I do every single day. Even if I'm not doing a training day, it's just like I need to get my body through that range of motion in order to feel like absolutely I checked that box. I think mobility should be one of those things that should be a non-negotiable in your life, like eating or sleeping. Mm-hmm. You should do five minutes of mobility, yeah, especially if you have a sedentary job or you drive a lot, you sit behind a desk a lot. Like those, like that. When you're sedentary and sitting, that's that means like without a doubt you need to do that because if you're walking around all day and like bending over picking stuff up climbing like then you're you're getting in some movement and your body doesn't yeah. get us stuck but yeah if you're sitting behind a desk all day like it's, right you're just it's stiffening up things are shortening you have right. to open that thing up yeah. they, they get they get all matted down and stuck yeah, yeah you gotta kind of counteract all that ultimately stuff. i feel like that's one of the biggest limiters of the elderly population once they get to a certain point where they can't get range of motion so they can't exercise because it's not available to them to even do the exercises that we ask them to do or that anybody asks them to do because they didn't retain function of the joints and then like once that goes it's a real stiff drop off for you not being able to be independent anymore right what one always astonishing difference between because when i lived in japan for quite a few years um, I would see regularly, I'd see like old Japanese women, for example, that would be in the bottom of the squat gardening at like 90 years old, literally mm-hmm. 90 years old. They'd be down there for hours in the very bottom of the squat. Um, their level of mobility and their level of functioning at a very high, high age, and Okinawa was particularly known for this, was astonishing. But one of the biggest differences is that they live their life still in the bottom of that squat. Mm-hmm. They eat there, they shit there, they do all sorts of things in the bottom of the squat. 
that we as Americans simply don't do. And it's very common that you'll see a 20-year-old young man that can't be very long in the bottom of the squat, myself included. I was struggled to be in there for a few minutes um, until I was like, okay, you need to grow, grow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the saying? It's like we don't, we don't stop moving because we get old. We get old because we stop. Yeah, moving. yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I also, so the it's funny you bring up the Okinawa thing. There's a a new series called, uh, what, is it called Blue Zones? Uh, Blue yeah. Zones. Yeah. Yeah, and it's about like uh, the the places with the highest population of centenarians, uh, people who live over a hundred, and. Okinawa was one of the spots they highlighted, and they also they don't use any chairs. Yeah, it's just like everything's kneeling, so they have to get up, get down, hundred times a day. They don't yeah. even realize that. Or it's a lot less common that you share. Yeah, a lot less common, and it's kind of like baked into the lifestyle where they're they're gonna have to yeah. get up and get down and sit down on the ground and. They're eating really healthy as well. Too. Yeah, there's that too, and they're probably <laughs> sleeping pretty good. Well, you know what? What's funny about there too is speaking of movement, is that uh, as much as I hated it sometimes. Is in the first thing in the morning when the sun was rising, you'd hear this loudspeaker that would play over to the whole village. And I lived in a little place called Ginoza Village, and it was it was the loudspeaker was getting people up so they could go out and do some morning stretches. And yeah. people can't see me, but I'm swinging my arms around. Uh, they do some morning stretches and a little bit of morning movement just to start the day. But the whole village was like they were like calling out for the whole village to get up and do some morning get movement. Up, like you a, lazy bat. Imagine in America. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> We'd be tearing down that speaker. <laughs> That's cool, man. I like that. it's like reminds me of like Boy Scout camp or something. Well, and it's fun. all the kids, like my kids would they would have to get up and go do it. It's, yeah. like, it's more of an obligation. It's not like they can ignore it. Right. Like a lot of a lot of the parents make the kids get up and go do yeah. the morning movement with the um with the intercom going screaming across the whole village. Yeah. And like to map this onto like coaching CrossFitters or athletes in in general. When, when we, let's say, try to enforce good range of motion standards, it's not because we're just trying to be jerks or because it's what they're going to make you do in the open. It's like you're going to want to function and range. We want yeah. you to be able to go to the bottom right. of a pull-up and get your chin over the bar at the top yeah. of the pull-up, not because we're trying to just like hold, quote-unquote, yeah. hold you accountable. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's also like that's the right way to do it. So in 20 years, after you've been doing pull-ups for 20 years, you're not stuck in right. 80% of the range of motion. The irony of that is when people start missing out, let's say, on the top position of a pull-up or the bottom position of a pull-up, it's usually their weakest part. Mm. So they need to spend more time down there, not less. When they get weakened, they need to either scale or cut the reps down so they're still getting those parts of the, the movement that are their weakest. Yeah, and you can look at like bodybuilders who they train that partial range of motion to keep time under tension on the joint and like yeah you might get big biceps but look at those guys after a couple of years right, of doing yeah. it they're stuck like surgeries on every joint in their body right. you know, and yeah, bodybuilders are the furthest thing i can think of from athletic from longevity yeah. and athletic you right know, they they're, they're not very athletic at all some of them right. can barely like scratch their own head oh, yeah <laughs> they have to get help to scratch their head they're like this I'm like I don't have the best mobility, but at least I can scratch my own head, right? <laughs> right. But your biceps are not right. two inches. And you can hear them, especially if they're on PEDs, when they're like on the treble on train, where they're breathing heavy just from talking. They're like, <sighs> <sighs> after 
after they're just having a conversation, it's terrible. Yeah. Right. Not to, sorry if there's any bodybuilders out there, but <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to help you. Right. We want you to be old and this is, functional. This is this right. is a podcast intervention. <laughs> we all got our pants off. We're all just trying to be honest with each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting really real right now. Um, so mobility is one. You guys got other ones to think of in terms of like... I have a big one. Physical practice, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's not necessarily a physical practice, but it is this. Is I think far more people need to, need to spend time on the foundation, on the foundational movements. Mm. Like, for example, on a strict pull-up rather than a kipping pull-up rather than a muscle-up. A lot of people are jumping way too quickly ahead of themselves if they've got like five strict pull-ups. And I see so many people practicing muscle-ups. Well, they're not there yet. That's not going to do you any good. Your shoulder girdle isn't developed enough to endure that. You shouldn't be even thinking about doing the muscle-ups until you have a, a very strong foundation of, of, of strict pull-ups. And the, 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 uh, the another irony of this is that if someone comes to me and they tell me they have 12 strict pull-ups or 13 strict pull-ups, uh, there's a good chance that we can, any one of us can teach them how to do a muscle-up very quickly, like within like a week or maybe even a day. If they have 15 strict pull-ups, it's a good chance I'd be ready to teach them in a day. Right. But if they're falling short of that and they're, they have some strict pull-ups, just not a, not a good foundation, then they're going to be practicing the technique for muscle-ups for years and still probably not have it. Mm-hmm. So, but that also applies to things like when we're, we're building the foundation of a clean and jerk, which if, if we look at a clean and jerk, a clean and jerk has three different archetypes, four different archetypes really, uh, when, in one movement. So we have a squat pattern, we have a pin pattern, we have a press pattern um, that, that all need individual development. If we are not developed in our front squat, for example, three different archetypes, um, then how on earth are we going to do it dynamically with exploding weight up? If we can't properly front squat, if we don't even know a proper fr- front rack, for example, then it's probably not going to go well when we throw it all together and have them do it explosively. So if, if we are mindful to check some prerequisite boxes to make sure we're strong enough and we can do it with virtuosity, front squats first, and then uh, let's say a deadlift, a Romanian deadlift next, because that shows up in the the bin pattern for a clean. And then um, we know how to strict press perfectly where we can get there every single time to a proper front rack with elbows forward of the bar, the, the five points of contact that we can get, we're strong enough to press it up overhead so we can build off that foundation. We're not trying to build the chimney before we've got the, the cement foundation in and the walls in and the structural soundness of it. Because that's where another uh, a way that people can get ahead of themselves and end up injured because they have spent no time, zero time, really, when you think about the long-term um, foundation of things that, and, and developing it. Right. Yeah, like if you, if you want to get good at snatching, like overhead squat should be like dialed in. Yeah. And that's not to say you can like practice with the PVC pipe, but... That's like practicing the technique with a PVC pipe isn't going to get you a heavier snatch, yeah, as opposed to working your overhead squat, right? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for a snatch, you definitely have to build the overhead squat first, and then yeah. once that's comfortable, then you can start working on doing some, some dynamics or some strength speed with some weight. But until then, until you develop the foundation of the absolute strength first, then we can't be dipping ahead into developing strength or power with right. the movement until those foundational movements are developed. And for longevity, I think having more of an emphasis on the universal like archetypes, right? The bend, the yeah. lunge, the yeah. squat, 
the press, like those things are, when we say functional movements in your elements, like that's what we're talking about are those like just general movement patterns that all bodies should do. Yeah. Twist, pull, push. Like if you get really good at those things, really strong at those things, everything else is, and I, I've 100% um, experienced this as an individual. Like I'm, I can easily take on like pretty much all the gymnastic skills and weightlifting skills because I got really good at squatting, deadlifting, pressing. Yeah. You know, and then like the other stuff is kind of just like, it's icing on the cake. Um, but for longevity, like those functional quote unquote functional universal patterns are going to take you longer, quicker, Way and safer. Longer. And your ambition to get to those movements before it's ready will ultimately hold you back. Yeah. And I can go to the other perspective where <clears throat> I focused on the snatch, the muscle up for a long time and I got really good at those. And then I peaked like that's, or I hit a plateau because the, the squat deadlift those like those foundational movements weren't as developed as they could be so then yeah. you go back and develop those and then you see your and muscle then you're going to see yeah. all sorts of change and then what's cool though is if you if you cross check this structural balance right if we look at someone that let's say has a hard time um with um with a clean but then we reflect on that clean if they're able to pull the bar back for example well it's not actually anything to do with their bend pattern necessarily directly their bend pattern but it's more their pull pattern because mm -hmm. if they can't sweep the bar back into the hips because they're lacking that foundational pull pattern strength mm -hmm. then they're going to have a real hard time getting to their center of gravity even to, to to once they open that hips up to that third pull to have it close enough to them where they're going to it's going to be um, not out in front of them so when we, when, we, when we check structural balance and we notice the pull pattern is lacking, it actually has a big, big effect on the clean itself. Yeah, and for longevity-wise, like I, I don't have any science to back this up, but the, the older you get, the less you should be like doing those advanced movements like a muscle up a squat oh yeah 100 percent. Yeah, there's so definitely like, science out there for that. <laughs> like i can't yeah. cite anything yeah. but it's just kind of common sense yeah yeah like like you're just you're going to be a little more brittle yeah like those explosive movements aren't going to be as important so then that's another reason to go back to those foundational right. things like mm -hmm. front squatting, back squatting, strict pull up. Yeah, strict and especially press. if uh, uh, even more so if the person has never really developed that explosiveness ever, or they took a long hiatus off from it. Yeah, it's not. We don't need to have a, like a seventy-five-year-old lady coming in and doing uh, squat snatches, right? right? Yeah, like if like if eventually we're gonna have a lot of ninety-year-old people in our classes, hopefully. Yeah, um, <laughs> and like. There's nothing wrong with being like, oh, we're we're doing squat snatches today. All right, well, you're just going to back squat or, or front yeah. squat. Or I right. just want a front or squat. Deadlift or deadlift or deadlift. something, yeah. 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 Like, I think that'll be, you know, when when we have a lot of, you know, older folks that have been here for 40 years. I yeah. Think. Well, they're going to be up to, like, now, since our longevity, we're going to be up to, like, 150 years. Right, right? true, <laughs> true, true. And that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Like, longevity is, like, two it's kind of two different things there's lifespan and then there's also um um into old age like health span right. like how how long are you functional and healthy yeah. for versus how long you live like that's a i want nothing difference. to do with living to 100 but 30 years of my life are decrepit and wheelchair right. bound right yeah. yeah and that was a cool graph to see like the goal should be to have a high quality of life like if you were to graph your quality of life that should stay high 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 and then right at the end plummet and you yeah. die 
Like yeah. that's the goal rather yeah. than being like a slowly right. decreasing into decrepitude. You've been dead for 15 years before <laughs> yeah. you actually died. Yeah. yeah, like you're still alive, but you're on tons of meds and you're in a wheelchair and you, mm. you know, can't function mentally yeah. or physically that would be that would be a nightmare yeah that was even baked into crossfit methodology from the jump like in the level one handbook greg glassman talked about staving off decrepitude via movement right. and nutrition yeah and then having a stiff drop off you right. know like you get to 75 80 but you're freaking crushing it right and then you have a year and then left. one day just heart stops working and you're done yeah so, yeah <laughs> That, that also kind of ties in with making sure that our movement quality stays virtuous as well because mm -hmm. we can't forever have poor reps without us coming back to pay, pay the price for it. Mm -hmm. Especially as we get older, we're, the the room for error is less. Yeah, like it when really is. When you're young, your joints are like supple. They bounce back. Like You can get into compromising positions yeah. and probably be okay, whereas the older we get the less likely that and, is and that's why it's like like what tyler was saying before it's like we're not telling people this because we like scolding right. people for not moving well we're telling right. people this so they have longevity like yeah. it's it's important to make sure that you're mindful to move only as fast as what you can move well and as you develop uh you're going to be able to go closer and closer to threshold and still move virtuously mm. one thing we didn't touch on that i think is worth i have two points but the first one is being more conscious, especially as you age, more conscious of time off and yeah. deloads. So like you you can't work out five, six days a week forever, right? Like there has to be some switch towards more yeah. rest and recovery as you age, less volume, less intensity, and just knowing that you're going to get a better return, you're going to get a better dose response from doing less as you age than you are from doing more. Yeah. And even for even for the young folks, that's true for a lot of people. Like I can't tell you the last time I've seen people, uh, purposefully take a deload week. Yeah. A lot of people and they help tremendously. Like I know it's scary to not work out for a week, but yeah. if it's, you do it, you come it's back a big boost. You're going to feel incredible when you come back. I did that not too long ago where I just took like a, like five days off or without doing anything besides like being active outside. Yeah. And I had been stuck at a, uh, with my back squat for a while. And I come back from the break and I maxed some things out. And I'd gone up. So for me, this is big. I went up 50 pounds with a back squat um, just from having a week off. Mm. Where I'd been stuck at, the, uh, at a weight for forever. Right. And 50 pounds just from allowing myself to actually properly deload where I don't do anything. Yeah. And, and it's you, not just your muscles. It's like you know, I think people think, oh, I'm like... I'm strong enough to like keep this thing going, keep this train rolling. But a lot of it's your know, nervous system. Like yeah. you need to recharge without that input and out without that heavy stimulus. Um, what's good protocol in your guys' opinion for deload week? Like once every eight to ten weeks, you take a full five days, or is it more dependent on the individual? Yeah, the there's age? a lot of individual variability with that. Uh, like my deload weeks, it depends on how much of a like a strength bias. I'm taking, mm -hmm. uh, but if it's a lot, if it's more strength bias, then I'll do like, um, like maybe one every 12 weeks where I kind of really ease off on, uh, my percentages or, or so, or perceived exertion. So I'm maybe doing like 50% of everything as opposed to whatever higher percentage I was doing before. Mm. Um, but I would say at least once a year, at the bare minimum, once a year, take a whole week off. Is that what, that's what I would I would advise just go on vacation and don't worry about 
and you can exercise, but exercise in, in the real world, right? Go yeah. hiking, go swimming, go do, live life. For a That's what I was going to say. I, I never do deloads because they inevitably pop up in my life. Like, mm -hmm. I don't do planned deloads because there's going to be, like... Right, you like have I'll those... Try to go yeah. a week on vacation, like yeah. you're saying, or I'll, you know, be super busy for yeah. one week, something goes crazy, and so they usually just pop up. And you're okay with it. Like, ah, right. Speaking of, I have, for a lot of my clients, I have uh, Saturdays where I, I give them a workout, but I say this, that workout only needs to be done if you don't go out on Saturday and find something to do. Like if you, if you do anything at all active outside for 90 minutes or more, then forget about the workout. But if you're sitting there rotting at the house and you just can't make your way outside, then that workout is there for you. Uh -huh. So even things like that, I like, because you reminded me of like, not enough people are going out and using their fitness to live life abundantly. Uh -huh. So taking opportunity to go out in the real world, outside of the gym, outside of the hamster wheel, and going off and do, using the fitness. That reminds me of two big pieces of longevity which came up in the Blue Zone. Or I didn't watch the movie, but I know like the Blue Zone thing. A big part of it is community. Yeah. <clears throat> and so like... If you don't have, if you're not connected to people, then the likelihood that you're going to die early is incredibly increased. Yeah. And then um, the other thing was getting outside, like you're saying, like getting outside and spending outside, or spending time under the sun and fresh air, like yeah. that that increases your longevity a it's lot. Medicine. By magnitudes, right? Yeah. My last one is, and this is specifically for the young folk out there because I've just gone through this uh, cocooning of of sorts is getting your mind in a place where you can zoom out past right now in this training cycle or this year or next year or three years even like looking at like what does the next 10 years look like what is the what is the game i'm playing going to produce and if the game you're playing is going to produce a peak performance for one day and then a lifetime of hurt yeah it's not worth for most people it's not worth playing right and and just taking that zoom back to like all right what what do you want to do when you're 70 or what do you want your fitness to do for you when you're 70 and not being so attached to the day-to-day -day wins and losses and the highs and lows and more just like you know seeing a strategic view of your life and your body and how you use it rather than it's easy when you're 20 25 30 to like hammer all the time and not think of the consequences but there will eventually be consequences for i like to call it the sins of my youth like i know all those years of like you know contact sports or whatever where i didn't think about how is yeah. this going to affect my body when i'm 60 or 70 now i do think right. of that often and it helps me guide my training in a more mature way where i'm not making just blind decisions anymore and it will come back to haunt and come back to haunt all of us yeah, yeah. and if you're <clears throat> like also thinking about longevity, like you don't want to dive in and just like get sick of exercising, like working out seven days a week until yeah. you burn out. Like, because if you think about it, if you worked out hardcore for five years and then you take 20 years off, like you're going to be in a really bad position. Whereas if you just worked out, you know, consistently three, four days a week at whatever intensity you can enjoy long term you do that for 50 years, like that's going to compound a better outcome. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a good reflection to think like, are you well, at least once a week getting out and doing stuff? Mm. You know, are you, do you have, the, is the gym sucking away all of your energy for you only do you, your active, your, your active work at the gym? Are you, are you having enough energy to go off and, and go into the real world? Mm. 
And I think that's also an important metric for um, wh whether what you're doing is providing for longevity. Yeah. Do you have energy to go out and use use your fitness? Yeah, I always say to my members, and it's hard in a in a CrossFit setting to be honest, because of I think the innate the image that people bring with them, and we try to break this mold, but you should walk out of here with more energy than you walked in with yeah. most days. For you should sure, walk yeah. out feeling better than you did walking in. You shouldn't be like, holy shit, yeah. I got my ass kicked, I'm defeated, yeah. I can't. I got to go home and lay on the couch. Like That's a most of the time a, a not a good uh, sign. That's, a, that's a, a, a nervous system battering when that happens yeah. too. Yeah, you should be like, wow, I feel great, that was a great workout, I got a you know solid pump in or my, yeah. my, I really got some work done or whatever. So and along that strategy. same vein is your, your training, you should not be getting sporadically hurt from mm. you should, the more you do it, the healthier you should get. Mm. It's not like you endure the occasional injury. That's just what comes along with the territory. If you're getting injured and you're repeatedly getting injured, there's something that you need to reflect on. So that doesn't happen. Right. And I'd say like, we're doing a, you know, committed club challenge right there right now. So I'd also, like seeing how many people only come two days a week and stuff like that. I would say, you know, there, there are a few people that overdo it, but there's also a ton of people that underdo it. For and sure. So coming, trying to commit to at least three, four days a week will make a huge difference as opposed to coming once or twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're it, not going to see what you want to see if you're not getting the proper amount of work either. Right. And it doesn't have to be like you, like two days a week in the gym and then a weekend hike. Or, right or do you know yeah like that outside. and, and yeah. just be active three to four days a week minimum and that's going to carry over to longevity big time yeah mm -hmm. and if you're doing two days a week don't suddenly get ambitious and try to do five days a week cause right that that that'll be a, a bit of a bridge too far yeah and but yeah i mean lifestyle leads to longevity and there's yeah. a lot of a lot of things to lifestyle, but they they uh, say that ninety like a study I looked up earlier does ninety three percent of longevity is from lifestyle and only seven percent is from genetics. Mm. So um, don't get caught up in like the uh, my parents right yeah I'm just not cut out for this yeah right. yeah because there is that's excuse making and uh, like the, right the epitome of it yeah but that's good news that ninety like. Lifestyle controls ninety three percent of your longevity. Right? Yeah, that's that's I mean, within your. That's control. no surprise to me. Yeah, and we have the means. We just need the discipline right. to execute on the means. Yeah, and we're here to help. So come yeah. try a class at CrossFit National. <laughs> um, well, should we put our pants back on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, no. Let's wait. Let's sit here in the room for a while with the pants on. <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, thank you for tuning in. And we haven't had somebody actually reach out with a theme or a, a topic rather in like months. So if you're listening and there's stuff specific you want to hear, because a lot of this is just coming from the three of us, uh, putting topics into, you know, into a hat for lack of a better term is tell us what you want to know, because it will help us dial in what these episodes can be about and hopefully help you. Yeah. All right. Till next time. Yeah.